just pray together? Father, we thank you today for your word to us. Pray that you'd open it up to each one gathered here. Thank you for how you've been all of my life, particularly this past week. Lord, may you bless each one of us in this place today with the knowledge of your presence, the sense of your Holy Spirit, the truth of your word, the reality of your love, the gift of life in Christ, and the grace that forgives us, sustains us, and pushes us forward into things beyond ourselves. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as I said, I don't know what I'm doing today, so let's see what happens. Um, I am going to tell you a little bit about what happened to me last week. I wasn't preaching, as you know, and um, when I got up in the morning to come to church, I had what I would figure is what a heart attack feels like, but I'm not sure of that. Um, I, I did not have a heart attack, but it felt like I was having a heart attack. Went really short on breath real quick. I had pain in my chest that was pretty intense. Um, came to church, sat right here somewhere, enjoyed the night to shine, and I literally did. Diana asked me this morning, why did I come? Because I, I actually called her last Sunday and said, can you do this without me? Um, so she asked me, why did I come? And frankly, part of why I came was because out of respect, you folks sit and listen to me every Sunday, and here Diana had... Uh, done all that work that she did and does, and, and out of respect, I was going to be here to hear what she had presented uh, to you about Night to Shine. Um, when we got it done here, literally when I pulled out of the parking lot down here at Broad Street, I had to, I really had to weigh out, was I going to turn left and go to the hospital or turn right and go home? And I'm just really glad I turned left. Um, went to the ER spent my whole day there. I thought of some of you that have stayed in that ER really late some nights and uh, didn't get into a room till 3 in the morning. They came in probably somewhere around 5 o'clock and said that I had, um, y'all remember five weeks ago I had a stent put in my heart, I had a heart catheterization. I had a stent put in. They came in and said that I had um, bilateral, multiple bilateral pulmonary, pulmonary emboli. What that means is I had a bunch of blood clots let loose. And long story short, they went into the right side of my heart, um, likely from this arm. They didn't find them in my legs. Um, they went through my heart, came out and hit my lungs. That is the, um, what caused the shortness of breath and the pain. And some of them sat down in, in, in the pulmonary artery. Um, now the reason it really bothered me last week, um, and I was really shocked, I really was, because I wasn't looking for that. And I experienced that 20 years ago. 20 years ago, many of you here have heard this. Some of you that are newer haven't. Uh, but 20 years ago, when I was a 42-year-old man, I went into Alton Hospital, uh, lucky to have lived. took me a year to recover. They told me at the time that this could happen again. Um, and so I guess it did, is, is the long and the short of it. I'll be short of breath for a while. 
I'll be uh, recovering for a while. I got to take a cardiac rehab and I've got more appointments set up in the next two months than you could ever imagine. Uh, my medication's all messed up. I'm not thinking clearly. You're going to be the victim of that here in a few minutes. And um, at the end of the day, what I'd say to you is God is really good. And he... Um, one more time did something that I don't deserve and um, I'm just really grateful for that so that's what happened to me last week I have a 22 minute sermon here I'm probably not gonna give you all 22 minutes but I'll give you what I can how many ever listened to Elton John he wrote a song called goodbye Mar goodbye Norma Jean the song supposedly was about Marilyn Monroe you don't really need to know all that except for there's a line in the song that I want to point out. Um, and it actually wasn't written by Elton John. He sang it. It was written with Bernie Taupin, who he used to um, do quite a bit of music with. Here's the line. It seems to me you lived your life like a candle in the wind, never knowing who to cling to when the rain set in. I would have liked to have known you, but I was just a kid. Your candle burned out long before. Your legend never did. And really what I want to talk to you about today is, have you ever felt like, you know, your spiritual life's been cut short? Uh, Twenty years ago, they said to me, uh, you need to go on blood thinners. I uh, did not do that. Now you say, well, then you wouldn't have had this happen, Joel. No, that's not true, because when this happened, I was on blood thinners from the heart cath. Um... But when you face life, looking at it, realizing that it can slip from your fingers, you kind of get a different perspective about breathing and getting up in the morning and all kinds of things. But I think more intensely than our bodies facing mortality is our spiritual life. How's your candle? Is your candle burning? Jesus comes out with his disciples and he's talking to them very specifically and he's given him what we have known or come to know as the Sermon on the Mount. And he says some really wild things to them. Amongst them would be, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, you might think that when he says the poor in spirit, he's talking about some timid, wimpy person. And that's not at all what he's talking about. When he says the poor in spirit, he's talking about somebody who has a real understanding of their need. For Jesus somebody who really has recognized that they can't do this on their own there's something missing in their life there's a hole in their heart and what's missing is they have come to the realization that they need more of Jesus than they need anything else and so the poor in spirit are those that have reached that point and many of us don't have reached that point where they recognize that they can't do it on their own anymore and they really, truly need Jesus. Je Jesus also says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. I've had a number of friends recently from high school who have died. I've sent cards. I haven't been able to go uh, to services or anything, but I've sent cards to people in their family and said, you know, really sorry about what's happened here. I can remember my grandmother lost a child at the age of 28. He was 28. I don't think she ever got over that. I think she grieved. I'm named after that son. Um, 
she just grieved that and grieved that and never really got over it. Maybe you've had in your life something that you have truly grieved about or someone that you've really cr uh, grieved about and lost. And Jesus says, blessed are those that mourn, for they'll be comforted. But the problem is when, when we read that word mourn or grief, we tend to go to what I talked to you about, people dying. And that's not what Jesus is talking about. Blessed are those that grieve because they look at the world and they recognize that a world without Jesus is an utter and total loss. If you, you're really concerned and you know Jesus in your own heart, you will look at a world that lives without Jesus and recognize what it is uh, that they don't have. And you'll be grieved about that. It'll move you to do something about what you see. Being meek, Jesus said, blessed are the meek, for they also will inherit the earth. Uh, you might get the impression it's somebody again that gets shoved around quite a bit. But the truth is Moses was not a, a meek person. Jesus was not a meek person. And yet both of them were meek enough to understand who they had to submit to. They had to submit to the will of God, right? Last Sunday, um, over there at the ER, if you've been there recently, you know that you don't, make it through the ER without quite a day. Um, I sat in the waiting room more than I was back in the ER room, and at one point they came to get me to get a CAT scan done. And they walked me back through the ER to the CAT scan area. They set me on a bench outside the door, and I could hear the patient ahead of me. I couldn't see. I could hear through the door the patient ahead of me. And... <laughs> the person who's running the CAT scan is talking. And the conversation went something like this. Can you please lay still? But I can't. You've got to lay still. I can't. Oh, can you quit fidgeting? Can you please just lay still? And then it got a little bit ugly. I won't go into the ugly with you, but I'm just sitting on a bench listening. And the patient started getting more upset, and the people in there were getting more upset. And pretty soon, the operator says, that did it. You're going out in the waiting room till I have time to work with you. And you think about it, can you lay still on this thing? Because we can't get a picture till you agree to lay still and stop fidgeting like this. A few minutes, the door opened. The patient walked out. They took them down to the waiting area. They came to me and said, you can come in now. I came in, and there were three uh, ladies in there. One was young. The other two seemed to be older. They placed me on the table. They put a little towel up around me. They put a pillow under my head. They made sure I understood what was going to happen. And just as they were getting ready to do it, they said, I said, did they happen to tell you that I have a twitch? This, this young girl just laughed out loud. <laughs> and I looked at this lady over here, and she had to look like she was going to assault somebody. <laughs> she was not amused. I said, I'll be good. <laughs> Moses wasn't timid or meek. He wasn't a wimp. And yet, he submitted to, will, to the will of God. Jesus says, blessed are the meek, 
Blessed that will submit to somebody else. Blessed are those that will submit to God. That will change their life in such a way that they'll do what God asks them to do. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They'll be satisfied. Do you hunger and thirst for the things of God enough? Not to have the praise of man, but to have God's blessing on your life. You remember the prodigal son. He came back and said to his father, look, I've served you all these years, and I never disobeyed a single command, and yet you never gave me a goat that I could celebrate with my friends. You know, the, the, the prodigal that came back, he came back not expecting anything. He came back not expecting anything. And that's kind of what Jesus is talking about. When Jesus says, hungering, thirsting for righteousness, it's hungering and thirsting for it enough not to be satisfied with what the world has to give, but rather to be satisfied with what God has to give. When they see the kingdom, they want more of it. And Jesus just went on and on with how we are to live our lives. If you were to look in, in Matthew 13, it says this. You are the salt of the earth. If the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Now, I could go on here and tell you about salt used for preserving things and salt was used for this and flavoring food and all that. I'm not going to do that with you. What I am going to tell you is this. Salt is what's going on in you and here. Salt is who you are. Salt is who God made you to be. You know, when God created everything that he created, he said it was good, it was good, it was good. And when he got to creating us, when it was done, he says, and it was very good. Can I tell you something? God wants, that's what he intended for us. He intended for us that we would be so meek we would pursue righteousness. He intended for us that we would inherit everything he has for us. He intended that we would be who he made us to be. But he also gave us choice. And that choice allows us to not choose God. And when that happens, who we are begins to diminish more and more. I sat over the hospital in that room and... My daughter came in. She works as a nurse. And when she came in to see me, she'd bring me stuff. She would go to the gift shop and get me stuff and all that stuff. But the thing that went through my head was, she was our firstborn. And I can remember exactly and totally who she was a baby as if it was yesterday. I can remember what she felt like, what she smelled like. I can remember everything about her. And she's grown up to be just like me God says I want you to be just like me I created you without sin I created you and I said you were very good but see that sin gets in, in the way doesn't it and that's why Jesus went to the cross because sin gets in the way because of our choices that make us be less than we are that allow our saltiness that God intended for us to be washed away. He went to the cross so we could become who he wants us to be again. Jesus says, you're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Jesus wanted us to know that not only what's going on inside matters, but what happens outside would matter as well. 
not that what we do does us any good, but that the world would see what a life with Jesus, a life of hungering and thirsting for God, a life of seeking Jesus in everything that you do, how it would transform and change you. You won't be able to hide it. Not that you're going to ask the world to look at what you're doing, but rather that it's just going to shine forth, that it's just going to be so contraindicative of death and dying and sin and hatred and murder and all the things that the world gives us that people will look and say, gee, if that's what a Christian is, I want to be like that. Jesus, you'll remember at one point, said to the world, I am the light of the world. You follow me, you'll not walk in darkness, but you'll have the light of life. Isn't it interesting that he says to us, that he says to you and me, you are the light of the world. After having said he was, and don't forget that he said something else in John 9. He says, as long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. Well, yes, Jesus' spirit still lives here, but guess what? You're in the world. You're in the world. Greater is he, we sang this morning, that is inside of me than he that is in the world. I've got news for you. Satan's roaming to and fro in this world, but God's placed us here. And if the salt inside of us has so transformed us into God's image, the light that shines out from us, everybody will look at and see. And because Jesus has gone to heaven, he's left us, and he said to us, you are now the light of the world. He said, if you believe in him, you'll not remain in darkness. He also said, you're never going to light a lamp and put it under a basket, but you'll put it on a stand so all the world can see. One more thing that Jesus said was this. Let your light shine so that others may see your good works and not glorify you, but glorify your Father who's in heaven. The greatest thing that could happen out of a life transformed and changed for Jesus is that your witness helps others to come to know him, that their lives can be transformed as well. You know, it would be so nice if we could just sit here every week and enjoy each other's company, but that's not what God has called us to. God has called us, I believe, to the community around us. And I don't mean to diffuse that in any way. I want to be very specific. He's placed this church on this location at such a time as this. Diana said something to me this morning, which I didn't know, and some of you may know. We all know that poverty in our area is pretty rough, that poverty is pretty rough. But when she said this to me, it struck me, poverty in Canton is actually so bad that every child in Canton City, City Schools is on free and reduced lunches. How many of you knew that? See, I didn't know that. Because poverty is so bad. Church, we've been placed here. I believe that. I believe that with all of my heart. It's not randomly that the United Methodist Church put you and I together. It's not random that you happen to choose this church this week or last year or some point in your life. I think God's got us here for purpose and for reason right now. And the reason is so that we can be the salt of the earth, that we can be the light of the world, that we can do the very thing he did and transform not looking at each other, not enjoying each other's company, but change the world around us. And so I'm going to end with my big point for this message. And the big point is this. 
The kingdom of heaven is not a destination. The kingdom of heaven is lifestyle. The kingdom of heaven is not a destination where we can just sit back and relax in the joy that Christ has given us. I'm, I've got a vacation planned in May, and uh, I can't wait to get there. I don't know how else to say it to you. I just can't wait to get there. Um, but that's not where I'm going to live. That's going to be a break from the normal of things of life. Where I'm going to live is who I am. You see, Christianity is not what you do. It's who you are. And who you are is dependent upon you becoming the salt of the earth. Not losing what God created you to be, but rather living into what God created you to be. And when you live into it, you become the light of the world as well. And you change those that see that witness in the world. So remember, this isn't about you. It's about them. If anybody you know outside of these walls doesn't know Jesus, it's about them. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, it's about you. I told you we're going to sing. Thank you for being patient with me today. You'll probably have to do that some more. But this next song much like that other one I told you. Um, it's a little bit faster. This one has been picked very intentionally. So humor me and sing it. Um, um, I could have I um, died 20 years ago, and for some reason I didn't. I, I live with scarring in my lungs. I've got a whole lot of problems from what happened back then. And what happened this past week is only going to add to it. And we'll see where that lands. But there's one thing I've, I've just been amazed at. And please, I, I, I say this lightly because I have plenty of friends, plenty of people I've known who have gotten into a difficult situation and didn't get out. Um... There's nothing special about me. There's something very special about God. And for whatever reason, in his divine wisdom, um, I'm still here. And uh, I'm just so grateful for that. And he's never let go of me. So if you're able to stand and you want to stand sing, if you don't know this song, you'll pick up on it real quick. But it's kind of the expression of my heart this morning. 